Amen. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of God. Good morning, family of God. Today I have a simple message for us. I think God has some business for us to do with him this morning. That's the word most promptly has us do often. The business of being close to him. You see, most commentators agree about Psalm 32. That is associated with a series of events that conspired from David's sin. Y'all remember this, right? First Kings 15, 5, the scriptures say of David, David did what's right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the, manner of, in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Bathsheba became pregnant. David schemed then to hide his sin by reuniting Uriah with Bathsheba. But Uriah had more integrity than David. Instead of going back to his wife, he decided he wasn't going to do that. And because of that, David then conspired again to have Uriah killed in battle. After Uriah's death, David married Bathsheba. And for quite a while, he thought he had got away with it. And this is what I mean by doing business with the Lord today. For a while, he thought he got away with it. Until the prophet Nathan came and confronted him with the word of God. Recognizing that his sins that he thought were hidden were very open in heaven. David repented. And in Psalm 51, you see David's prayer of repentance right then. As soon as it happened, his prayer of repentance. 
Psalm 51 is one of the seven penitential psalms, including Psalm 32. You see, both psalms were written after the confrontation that David had with Nathan. But Psalm 51 is a prayer of repentance. Psalm 32 is more of a song of thanksgiving. Let me say that one more time. While Psalm 51 is a prayer of repentance, Psalm 32 is a prayer of thanksgiving. See, in Psalm 32, David thanks God for answering his prayer of mercy. The heading reads, a masculine of David, which is supposed to be didactic, which means a teaching song. Okay, a teaching song. But this psalm is also more than just a song of thanksgiving and a teaching song. It is also hymnic. It is full of wisdom. And it's penitential. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand at all. In fact, I don't want you to. Because I don't want everybody knowing your business like that. Except for a close few. But if you've had a moral failure this year, of some kind. This psalm of reflection on the steadfast love of the Lord might be what you need to hear today. This could be the song that breaks the bonds of shame that Satan has sown in your life today. If that's you, you need some encouragement. And I hope Psalm 32 will do that for you. Others in here might seem to be good on the outside. But when it comes to your sin, you are as stubborn as a mule. Look at verse 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with Britain bridle, or it will not stay near you. If that's you today, you need a wake-up call. Wherever end of the spectrum you are today, We are going to come to God today. We're going to come near to him. And the spoiler alert about this psalm is that it might say it's a masculine David, but the psalm is really all about God. Therefore, I call today's sermon, Get Close to God. But before we dive into the text more deeply, let me offer a prayer for our time. I need the Holy Spirit's help today. I'm tired. I'm weary. But God's going to help me. Let's pray. Father. Father, I confess my sin to you. Lord, so often I'm afraid. I'm afraid to draw near to you. I'm afraid to do your work. But Father, I pray that you would break that sin. And as, Lord, I come before these friends and family members of mine, preaching this word, Lord, I pray that it would inspire each and every single one of us to draw near to you. Lord, would you help us? Lord, we don't want to play games. Lord, help us to not play games with you. Our sin is wicked. Our sin is evil. It separates us from you. Lord, I pray that you would help us 
Help us to draw near to you. Help us to draw near to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a way to get close to God. In Psalm 32, wisdom comes as a promise to be delivered by God alone. Many other commentators believe in verse 8. Everybody look at verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That that verse right there is probably the center of this song. And at that time, God kind of goes and takes the mic from David. David is speaking. And God takes the mic and says, hey, I will counsel you. I will instruct you. I will teach you in a way that you should go. In order to get the rest of this psalm, we have to enter into what is called the wisdom of God. Only those who have chosen to take in, to take upon themselves the way of the learner will receive such benefit from this kind of instruction, this teaching, this guidance, this forgiveness, protection, and counsel. And they will only, only them will reap those benefits. God's already omnipresent eyes literally on those who choose to walk in the wisdom of the, of the Lord, Kidner says, a British Old Testament scholar, most famous for being the warden of Tyndale House. That eye upon you statement is huge. The commentators agree that statement is closely tied to God's vigilance. Let me say this one more time. God's vigilance and his intimate care for you. Doesn't that sound good, y'all? God's vigilant, intimate care for you. Or in other words, his steadfast love for you. And lo and behold, as I was looking at the different words in this text, that word has said came up again. The word that John Mark has been trying to teach us, which is found in verse 10. Look at verse 10. Many of the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Steadfast love. God's steadfast love. Which got me thinking this question. I told you I have a simple message. We're not playing games here. We're not playing games here. We're not here just to parse every word. We're here to respond to the word of God. But got me asking this question of myself. Am I afraid to come and learn from the Lord? Am I afraid to come and learn from the Lord? And I'm going to ask this question of you. Are you afraid to come and learn from the ways of the Lord? Are you afraid? Maybe sin seems too big to get over. Or maybe sin seems too enticing to give up. But ask yourself this question. Why would I not want to be near the Lord? The Lord of the whole universe who sees you regardless of your junk and who longs to vigilantly care for you. You see, wisdom is not just about learning some rules from God that allow you to operate well in the universe. Wisdom will teach you that, of course. But wisdom is much more than that. Wisdom is about knowing God. And while we get... While we're getting to know God should create in us maybe some fear of the Lord in the beginning. At the end, eventually we begin to understand that perfect love 
cast out all fear. Today, if you're experiencing the blessing of being connected to God, if you're not, and it's steadfast love, you might consider two possibilities from this song of why you're not experiencing the steadfast love of the Lord. One, you have not submitted yourself to God and therefore do not know the Lord. This type of God is totally worth submitting to, y'all. At the climax of God's story and him revealing himself to the world, enters Jesus, God in the flesh. And what is he like? Here's what he said he was like. In Matthew eleven twenty nine. listen to the words of Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do you hear that? Take my yoke upon you and enter into this relationship with me and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Do you want that rest? Do you want to know the love of God? Then come to Jesus. Come near to God. The wisdom of God and the love of God was made no clearer than Jesus at the cross. And at the cross, true wisdom is restored to mankind. And what looked like foolishness becomes the wisest act of all time. And what looks like weakness becomes the very power of God for salvation. Yes, Jesus is who we all need to come to. Amen? But the question is, will you? Will you? Will we? Well, there's one more reason why you might come, might not come today from this song. The other comes in the form of a warning to all who are godly. Look at verses three and four again. Number two reason why you won't come near. Verse three, it says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by heat of the summer. One of the main reasons why we won't come near to the Lord, and David knows the struggle very well, is because you want to hide your sin. I'm going to say that one time, one more time. You want to hide your sin. You don't got to look around. You don't have to act like I'm saying something new to you. You know this, right? I know this, you know this. You want to hide your sin. It took a good friend like Nathan to come to David and out his deceitful ways. If David had his way, homeboy was going to the grave with that on the set. Some of y'all don't know what I'm saying when I say on the set. <laughs> Dwayne knows what I'm talking about back there. Homeboy is going to the grave on the set. You want me to tell you what it means? All the... Dwayne, what it means? Shout it out. Yeah, on the set. He's taking it to the, the grave on the set. What it mean? No, not on Israel. On the gang. Okay? He was taking it to the grave on the gang. He wasn't going to tell anybody about this, and he wasn't going to let anybody know. But God's heavy hand was helping, was a helping hand to David. God's heavy hand. 
You guys see this in verse 3 and 4? For day and, for day and night in verse 4, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up. See, Nathan confronted him. He went into repentance mode. And the consequences of his sin was a heavy hand from the Lord, which freed him from the sin that so entangled him. Although he suffered much strife and had many mess-ups for the rest of his life, David was a, a man called a man after his own heart. God did not leave him there to finish life and sin. God graciously put his hand on him. And a hand took his physical strength, but man, it gave him his spiritual strength back. David repented. And if you were sitting here today in some unrepentant sin, learn from David today. Repent like he did in verse 5. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Another reason, which is kind of part B of why you might not come near, has to do with your sin still. But it's because you are stubborn, like a mule and a horse. Negatively, it is not wise to walk away from the Lord. But positively, it's really wise to walk next to the Lord. But the horse and the mule doesn't naturally do that. Everybody knows how a mule is, right? The metaphor should ring home for many of us. You're stubborn as a what? Mule. Yeah. When I was working at Santa Fe South, I mean, this gym right here, I was a PE teacher. One of our professional de- development days was really interesting. We ended up going to see a Christian horse breaker dude. Don't know what that, what that is until I got there. And this man was taming a wild horse. So they get in this ring. And they let a horse come in. And it's a wild horse. This horse doesn't, wants nothing to do with this dude at all. Dude has a, all he has is like a whip in his hand. He got a saddle strapped up on one of the fences. And what fascinated me was the, what he was talking about during the time while he was trying to break the horse so he could ride it. Here's what he did. He took some whip and he psh, psh, and whipped it around and made him start running away from him around the ring. And then... He said, this is what children are like sometimes. Sometimes they don't want to come near you. And so sometimes you got to discipline them. I thought this was really interesting. And as he continued to do this, eventually he had to use a little bit of force. And then after he used a little bit of force, the horse ended up realizing that I can't go anywhere else in this fence. I'm fenced in. I can't go anywhere else. Either I'm going to submit to this man or I'm going to die trying to resist him. Eventually, the horse submitted to him. And it took about 30 minutes. And I thought to myself, man, I really hope I'm not like that. I really hope I'm not like that horse resisting, resisting God's discipline. But then, as I was looking at this psalm, another story came to mind. It's about a man named Buck Brannaman. 
the horse whisperer. Have you ever heard of him? The horse whisperer. So he had a special on CNN. Matthew, will you play that for me real quick? As you see, Buck Brandeman had a really challenging life. And as you look, you see the way that he's dealing with his horse. It's a lot gentler. It's a lot gentler. And as he is what is called breaking a horse, he actually hates that term. He actually likes to woo the horse. And as you see, look at this horse. As he's walking around, he's following him every single where that he goes. See, Buck Brandeman had a really rough life. His dad was a very violent man. Very violent man. Beat him, broke him down. I can sometimes relate to that. Where am I going with this? See, what you don't know is this horse right here was a problem child of a horse. They had sent out hundreds of different types of horse whisperers who would try to break him. And they left with broken legs, ribs, all kinds of things. But nobody could break this horse. But this man came with the love that this horse was looking for in a gentle way. And that horse was broken. And that horse followed him everywhere he went. See... When the horse whisperer came into the ring, it might have stepped away for a second. Sometimes trauma and hurt and pain will make you step away for a second. But when that horse whisperer stepped into the ring and showed the love that that horse was looking for, it soon recognized who the master was. And the horse had to change the tune. I think this is what David is getting at. Don't be like the horse that likes to buck everywhere and run away from the Lord. But what I thought was really interesting is that this is a metaphor. This right here is a video of a horse who gets something that many of us don't get. See, Proverbs 26.3 says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey. And a rod for the back of fools. The Brit and bridle are used for a horse and a mule to stay near to you. But David is challenging us not to be like the horse who needs the bit and bridle, but to be like the horse in this video. God is trying to lead you closer to him. Church, do you want to be near God in this season? Then James 4 eight says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And what will you find when you draw near to God? What will you find there? Well, the rest of the psalm explains this. You will find refuge, and you will find the forgiveness of sins. In verse 7, David promises that God will be a hiding place from trouble. This doesn't mean that godly people don't experience troubled situations. It means that we will be persevered through Troubled situations. 
Verse 7 tells us why. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. He will preserve you from trouble. He will surround you with shouts of deliverance. Do you guys hear that? How many people in here have troubled lives sometimes? Got troubles in your life. God's going to enter into that. You may feel like he's really distant, but God's really near to you. And he wants to surround you with sounds of deliverance. You also find yourself getting forgiveness of sins. David said, I confess my sins to you. And what did God do in verse 5? I said, I'll confess my sins, my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sins. And how does he do it? Just look at verse 1 again. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins is covered. In case we overthink this one metaphor for atonement, there are two distinct pictures in these verses, in verse 1 and verse 2. There is a lifting or removing forgiveness of sin and a concealing from sight, covered. And this is not a hiding of sin that is still present and unresolved, when this is a sin that's covered and resolved. When God covers sin, it's finished. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove transgressions from us. Do you want your sins forgiven and covered? Then come near to God, the only God who can take away your sins. As I move towards a conclusion, there's a question about how we should respond. How we should respond to this message. Verse 1 and 2 is really beautiful. The whole psalm starts off with a beatitude, professing blessing, happiness over the one who has their sins covered. If you feel blessed because you know God has forgiven your transgression and covered your sin, can I get an amen? Amen. If you know that you are blessed because the Lord counts none of your iniquity towards you, can I get an amen? amen? And if you have a clean spirit with no deceit because of the work of what Jesus has done in your life, can I get an amen? There is freedom that comes from the confession of sins then. Because of the work of God to eradicate our sin. And we see this clearest at the cross. No man can clear his name. The godly of verse 6 are not perfect. But God paid the penalty in full. Praise Jesus for his life. His death. His resurrection. Who is a perfect sacrifice to pay for our sin. That is why we don't hide it. Family, we don't have to hide our sin. Jesus paid too much for us to hide our sin. 
to have us sit in unrighteous living and wicked living. Look at verse 10. Many of the sorrows of the wicked. Do you want to live in sorrowful living? The answer is no. He doesn't want us to have many sorrows like the wicked has. And all we have to do is confess our sins. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness, but all unrighteousness. Confession of sin is liberating, not to minimize or trivialize sin, but on the contrary, to call sin what it is and confess it. If we do this, church, I think, this isn't one of the finest messages, but at church, I really think if we do this, it'll open up the floodgates of grace. Shouts of deliverance will surround our church, and we will be close people to God. And finally, when we realize this, and we realize that we've confessed our sin. And we get closer to the Lord. Psalm 32, 11 exhorts us, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This joy is attached to the righteous. If you don't know Jesus, come to know him today. But for the righteous, if your sins have been forgiven, shouldn't we be people full of gladness? If our sins have been forgiven, shouldn't we be people full of joy? Shouldn't we be happy? Shouldn't we know that we're blessed? We are not perfect people. We are not even good people or deserving people. But we are forgiving people. We are forgiving people. Joyful praise is the proper response of people who are forgiven. Forgiven people should be glad in the Lord. And true joy is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Forgiving people should rejoice no matter what's going on. We should shout for joy. Psalm 107, verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom he has redeemed from trouble. Come near to the Lord. And you will get wisdom. Come near to the Lord. And you will get God. Come near to the Lord. And you will have refuge. Come near to the Lord. And you will be forgiven. Come near to the Lord. And you will rejoice. Amen. Amen. Bow our heads and let's pray. Our Father in heaven, confessions of sin is not something we love to do. But Lord, I pray that today it would be a thing that we see as a way of the grace of God being poured out into our lives. And Lord, no matter where we're at today, whether we don't know you, whether we know you well, 
whether it's a good time, it's a bad time. Lord, when sin enters our life, Lord, would you help us to be people who quickly confess our sin? And Lord, as we confess our sins and get close to you through the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, would you help us to be people who are rejoicing and are glad people, no matter what our demeanor is, no matter what we look like on the outside. Father, may the things of our heart be the very things that lead us to gladness and rejoicing and knowing our our blessedness in, in the Lord. Would you help us today? Anyway, as we go from here, Lord, would you make us people who will rejoice and tell the truth about God? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.